Still so many questions in the case of the arrest of a suspect in the Long Island serial killer case. So that suspect is a man named Rex Herman. He's pleaded not guilty to the charges, but we're getting a lot more information as well about the inf- what led police to this point in the investigation. So we had a chance to talk with Dr. Scott Bond about this case. Dr. Bond is a criminal behavior expert, author of Why We Love Serial Killers, The Curious Appeal of the World's Most Savage Murderers. Dr. Bond has been following this case, and and here's what we learned. Well, Dr. Bond, thank you so much for joining us. Let me start by asking you, when did you first become aware of this whole Long Island serial killer case? It was back in 2011 uh, when the the news started to break and they began to find these these bodies uh, on Gilgo Beach, and I started to follow it very closely. I was very intrigued because I was teaching at a university at that time, um, in the New York area. So it was, you know, very much in, uh, in my for- forefront there. Right. And that gives us an idea of how long this case has been around, hasn't it? Yeah, absolutely. It's been, it's frankly been a cold case for quite a while now, but not unattended. I mean, they've been working on this for, uh, you know, for 12 years, but with it, with very few leads along the way. And then all of a sudden, I mean, it was a surprise to everyone when, uh, when this individual was apprehended the other day. I know there has been a frustration with the police department out there. Can you give us an idea, as an observer in the case who's been following along, why was it a cold case for so long? Well, there were multiple law enforcement uh, regimes, if you will, uh, mul- multiple police chiefs. And, uh, and any time you have a change in, in leadership, you know, that's going to lead to some delays and uh, retracing old steps, et cetera. Uh, but I think a lot of the frustration, and for me, as, as, as really as a social scientist, I really felt for the, for the victims, for their families, for their loved ones, because they were very much marginalized. Uh, from, at the very beginning, it's that, ah, they're sex workers. They're just sex workers. So they, you know, they, they know the risks um, almost as if they're, disposable human beings, which, you know, is, a, is just a tragic, callous uh, view. Oh, now, over time, there's been more empathy directed toward these individuals. But uh, I know that the families have felt very much um, marginalized uh, along the way. So what happened when you were observing this case and you were reading about it? Did you get an idea of what you think this person might have been like? Yeah, um, the way that that profiling works is that you look at the evidence that's available to you uh, at the crime scene and anything else that is known about an unknown perpetrator, and then you attempt to match it to solve cases from the past. And the fact that this individual was meticulously, and sorry to be graphic, but dismembering and packaging up his victims in these burlap sacks and tying them very neatly and depositing them in an isolated area on the beach indicates a certain type of personality and killer. It's a very organized, meticulous, unflappable, and, uh, and psychopathic individual who is able to go to those extreme lengths and plan that way. So he's, he's in many ways, I think, very similar to a John Wayne Gacy, the Killer Clown, or a Ted Bundy, um, or even a Gary Ridgway, the uh, Green River Killer. They were also these meticulous individuals who could lure women into their, um, into their web, so to speak, kill them callously, and then deposit their bodies and, and go to great lengths to, um, to conceal his work. 
Yeah. So leaving aside what we've learned in the last few days then here, Dr. Bond, like just from what we had known of this case, um, what would you say about the, the perpetrator who did this? The evidence available and particularly the fact that he actually tormented and went to great lengths to call Melissa Bartholomew's sister on her own phone and torment her sister by saying, I have, you know, I have your, your sister here. Uh, and here are the terrible things that I'm doing and, and have done to her. That is an individual that is most likely going to fall into what we call a power and control killer. And that's an individual who is not necessarily motivated by sex, although sexual activity will, uh, will likely be part of what they're doing. What they're really driven by is playing God. They want to determine who, when, where, why, and how another person dies. They're like objects to them. They're, they're, they're toys to be played with and ultimately destroyed. So this is a psychopathic, narcissistic individual. In fact, there, there's a term, it's called malignant narcissist, which is an individual who is so self-absorbed, but you combine that with sadism. And I believe that that's exactly what this individual is. And, and, and I believe that before he was apprehended. So are there things that tell you, like markers that you look at that would tell you how close by this person might have been, like it, that tells you that, okay, they know this area, they don't know this area. What kind of location markers do you look for? Yeah, absolutely. The, um, this, is, this is a very isolated area um, in, in Long Island. And it's, it's not well lit at all. I mean, especially at night, you're, you're just in the absolute darkness there. So immediately I knew that this had to be an individual who was intimately aware with that area, probably grew up there, uh, probably, and probably spent, uh, much, much of his life there, which is in fact, uh, what we know now to be the, uh, the case. And serial killers typically kill in a comfort zone. There's a myth that that they travel widely and, and kill over great terrain. And that's that's simply not true. I mean, there are examples of serial killers who did that, but most of them work in a comfort zone and kill within an area that they feel uh, very much in control of. And I suspected that was the case, and I suspected that he lived close by, and in fact he did. He, he lived right across the bay. And I believe that over the years, he, he visited that burial ground, and I think that that burial ground was really sacred terrain to him. What questions do you still have? Well, um, one that is, uh, is profound, and, and so many people are looking for answers, is the, uh, is the case of, of Shannon Gilbert. And Shannon Gilbert is the young woman who was also a sex worker who disappeared that actually led to the discovery of the first four bodies. Now, there's mixed opinions whether Shannon Gilbert accidentally drowned or whether she was killed. So one of the things that I would love to know, and I know her family and other loved ones would love to know, is, first of all, was she murdered? And if so, was she a, a victim of the Long Island serial killer? And then, of course, are there more victims? Or are there more out there that we may not be aware of? Shannon Gilbert's story is amazing, though, when, when you think about it, right? It, it was looking for her that caused them to stumble across the first body, which they thought was hers. It turned out not to be hers, but in continuing to search for her, they found all these other bodies, but they don't even know if her case is linked to these. Exactly. That's right. That's exactly right. And that's why I say this is one of the great unknowns and, and one of the most uh, important 
questions as a criminologist that I'm interested in knowing. You know, uh, it, was, was she even murdered? Although I suspect she was. I really do suspect she was. And was she his victim or was she someone else's victim? Right. Okay. So still lots of questions to go here. Is this from what you can see an all hands on deck situation? It's just so many like people involved now, so many police involved. Is the FBI involved? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And they have been, they have been all along and um, you know, they're, they're going to look for uh, evidence that will link him to the additional uh, bodies. Remember there, there, there were 11 bodies they, that they found in very close proximity including nine females, one male, and a, and a toddler. So is he responsible for all of them? Probably not. Probably not. There are probably other individuals out there who are responsible for one or more of them, but that's exactly what they're looking at now. I understand that there's evidence that links him very closely to a fourth victim because he's, he's been charged with three murders, but they, they have him uh, linked very closely to a fourth and perhaps more. All right. Such a fascinating story. Thanks so much for your time on this. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. Dr. Scott Bond, a criminal behavior expert who's been following that Long Island serial killer case. He's the author of a book called Why We Love Serial Killers, The Curious Appeal of the World's Most Savage Murderers. This case is fascinating, though.